Hi, it's Karen from See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. We're the podcast for parents with young children, and we know that life with kids is messy, but we're here to celebrate those messes, from spilled milk to emotions spilling out of little volcanoes. And you know what? We really believe in you. You got this, and you're not alone. I just want you to know a little something about your host. Karen Deerwester is an educator, author, and all-in cheerleader for kids being kids. Karen has been a corporate spokesperson as well as a reasonable and reliable voice for kids and parents in print and on TV on NBC, MSNBC, NPR, Parents Magazine, and many more. Best of all, Karen leads the parent-child classes right here at B'nai Torah Congregation of Boca Raton, Florida. Get ready for some fun, a ton of encouragement, and maybe a little inspiration. Today's podcast is Trusting Your Pediatrician. In a world of overwhelming and contradictory medical and child development information, fears about lead in the drinking water, mold inside our favorite Sophie Teether, it might seem harder and harder for parents to find pediatricians they can trust. I believe this podcast is one of the antidotes to an anxiety culture and that a relationship of mutual respect and trust is essential between parents and pediatricians and, of course, children and their pediatricians. Today's guests are proof of one such relationship. We have Dr. Chad Rudnick and Ashley Rudnick from Boca VI Pediatrics and Deborah and Robert Rubenstein. I want to hear about how they built that relationship and discover the secrets to creating more trust in this world for the professionals who make up your family village, for yourselves as parents, and to be discerning in a world of Google. Let's start with Dr. Rudnick and his vision for the kind of pediatrician he wanted to be. Take well, away. First, thank you, Karen, for having us here you know, this evening. Uh, it, it's wonder to, wonderful to be here. Got to hear a lot of your podcasts that you've done so far. Thanks. And, you know, I, I think my vision about why I became a pediatrician and why I practice this way it goes back to the to the style of old-fashioned medicine, old-fashioned service, where the doctor knew the whole family. And it wasn't just you got to come in and it's six or seven minutes with the doctor and you're in and you're out and it's a and it's a rotating door. I wanted that that style where you knew not only the kids as a pediatrician, but you know mom and dad and grandma and grandpa and the dog and the cat and the Absolutely. goldfish. And you Absolutely. should know everybody because when you know the whole family, you know what's going on in that family unit, you can better take care of the children. So when Ashley and I were in Miami living there and I was working for Miami Children's Hospital, we set out, you know, how can we do this and where is the great place for this to happen? And we said, you know, both of us being from Boca Raton and knowing the area well, we said Boca would be a great place not only for us to raise a family, but for us to be able to have our office and, and practice this style of medicine where I get to know the kids just better. And we get to take better care of them and get to know them and their families. It's so personal and it's so professional because it's this balance of you being part of a community, you being a contributing member in the community in overall, and then in very, very personal relationships with your families. So Ashley, how do you, f- how do you fit into the vision and what you hope for the practice? Oh. So very differently actually because I do not have a medical background. I worked at Disney World and (laughs) I went to school for theater and grew up singing and performing and doing theater and my dream job was to work at Disney. So I worked at Disney and that is my most favorite place now. We have Disney annual passes now and we're like big 
fans and go there whenever we can. But with the Disney background, I wanted to bring that to medicine. So it's kind of like Chad Rudnick and I have another child other than the one we already have, which is Boca VI Pediatrics, and it's the marriage of his great medical knowledge and my Disney hospitality. And how can we make going to a pediatric office more like Disney World? And how can we get the customer service in there? And how can we make children feel like they're not really at a doctor's office, even though they are? Or that doctors aren't scary people. Exactly. And so that's what we set out to create. So I have a totally different vision that I bring in. um, And with all of the sort of creative things that we do, our kind of me whispering in his ear. And and so what are those? Because it's an interesting combination of the medical, the knowledge, and then the social media and the fun. I mean, we're not going to compartmentalize and say, well, you're the fun partner and he's the serious partner. (laughs) Right. Well, I I think what, what Ashley does is she brings back this idea that medicine is truly the ultimate service industry. And you're providing service to someone who's most in need of great service when they're not feeling well and when they're having problems. And Unfortunately, over the last you know several decades, medicine has kind of come away from that. Became sterilized. You know, it, it became yeah. very sterilized. Where you're, you don't have that relationship, and it's it's to no fault of the doctors or or kind of the system, but it's kind of overall. There's a lot of different things that happened where it's just a lot of people and not enough doctors. And of course, there's things with insurance and payments. But with where Ashley brings that together is how we're able to kind of go backwards in time, but also with modernized and modern and, and the technology that gives you freedom. To, yeah, I just take the information and I say, how can I get it out to people in a fun and creative way? So he has this great information. I say, let's write a blog about that and let's put it in terms that moms can really understand and relate to. Love it. And get it out there and put it on social, you know, Facebook and Instagram and all of these mediums that I'm using, you know, as a mom, which I follow. And you, you have on. an appreciation for <clears throat> for your patients as uh, as customers. I mean, of course, in Disney model, we're not going to call people customers. But, sure. but what I realized on your website <clears throat> is it's not the pediatrician that's the very important person, which I love. It's the parents and the patients. Patient. Yes. Yes. And that, to me, is the secret because your focus is on the parents and the patients. We make them the star. We make it all about them and very personal all about them so we can take better care. So how long have you had the practice? So we've had the practice open for about three years now. Three years. And so um, how long have you guys been in the practice? And I don't know who wants to go first. Okay, Deborah's Deborah's ready to go. Uh, Well, (laughs) um, hi, and thanks from us too. We're we're thrilled to be here. Um, We've been with... um, the Rudnicks for two years. The girls are turning two, and we've been with them since just before they were two months. And I think it's interesting to know, and I'm sure we'll talk about this more as the evening goes on, but um, they were not our first... Dr. Rudnick was not our first pediatrician when the girls were born, and we can talk long about it, but, you know, we took recommendations from friends, and which we trusted, and, you know, all of our friends had kids, and we went... You know, I think it's a hard process. I would say, I mean, I don't know if it's a more traditional route, but our friend said, go to this person. We went Mm -hmm. to this person. We interviewed doctors. We went and it just didn't work for us. And so, and it obviously wasn't working very quickly because we were, we moved over to Boca Via Pediatrics. Um, The girls weren't even two months old. So we've been there almost two years now. And what was, what drew you? 
to, to VIP? Um, you know, we went, well, it, we had a need. We knew, I knew that we needed Medical to, need, a philosophical need. Uh, both. Practical. Absolutely both. We, you know, have twins and um, they were great and full-term babies and everything was fine. And I would say on the spectrum, and Dr. Rodin can tell me yes or no, but on the spectrum of need, it was probably low. Um, but one of the so girls... So no medical crisis. Uh, not a crisis, but certainly a need. One of the girls had reflux which is okay. just just painful and unfortunate frustrating, frustrating and, uncertain. and sad and yeah and feeling helpless all of those things yeah. and it was hard to watch her go through and um and we didn't really know that that's what it was because it was kind of a little bit being misdiagnosed not okay. necessarily misdiagnosed but we were getting conflicting information so we went and met with dr rodnick and he immediately just hit the nail on the head on everything that he just said before, which is it's about knowing us as a family. He asked us questions that none of the other pediatricians had asked us about us, about our lifestyle, about the girls, about what we wanted. Um, and we knew immediately after That's we... That's so revealing. So um, After we were there. How, where did that training come in to put those factors together? So, I mean, I, I was fortunate to train at some of the, you know, top universities and institutions and under some of the, you know, best, in my opinion, best pediatricians in the world and a lot who are ranked top in the world, you know, especially through Miami Children's Hospital. You know, the, the doctors there really instilled that. But beyond the medicine, it comes from just a personal interaction that you have to be able to have. Medicine and especially pediatrics, more than any other any other specialty, you need to have a relationship because most of my patients can't talk. They can't tell us really what's going on. Even those who can have a difficult time articulating that. And sometimes I equate it, you know, my father is a horse vet. And so he always said, you know, pediatrics and veterinary medicine, very similar because we're taking care of a patient, but really our patient is also, in my case, the parents, but in his case, the client or the owner or the owner of the horse. So putting that together and understanding the needs of the family so I like to ask, you know, I'm on your side and I'm on, the, I'm on the team with the parents. So I ask and I try to give options and say, here's how I would approach it, but here's what we could do. We could do A, B, and C. Here are the pros and cons of each. And I like to know, how, what are your goals in raising your child? What are your goals and what you want to do? And I'm going to help them reach those goals as best I can. As long as everything is safe, there's always options. Right. Now, what I heard in Deborah, and I, maybe I misinterpreted, but it was like my wow for that was you're not just saying bedside manner in the sense of like, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to give you time. I'm going to make eye contact. I'm going to be, you know, approach a slow to warm up child differently than a child who ha who does not want to be separated from their parent. But what she said was you asked questions that helped you gain insight into something that other people were having trouble diagnosing. So that sounds to me like a different kind of, um, it's, a, it's, it's looking at patients and families um, and health and wellness differently. It is, it's, it's using a different line of questioning than just yes, no answers. It's using open-ended questions mm -hmm. and it's using what the parent has given me and giving confirmations and reflections and, and truly that communication. And, and that goes back to, again, learning some things in school, but just kind of having a background in, in communicating with people and trying to read with what, what they want and understanding. And so it's more than just, I'll give you time and I'll listen to you, yeah. but asking the right questions so I can gain the insight I need 
to better give them what they're asking for and what they so need. fascinating. Okay, Robert, were you there for the fir- for were you there for the selection and then the first well, experience? I was there from the first date. So, uh, <laughs> um, yes, so glad. Yes, we. Um, I was. These are our first and last children, uh, and, and and so I'm fortunate in being at a point in my life where I can spend time uh, being part of the process and enjoy it. And so, yeah, I made a point of going to every appointment and interviewing every doctor and uh, trying to be there as much as possible because it's important to me and I wanted to be a part of the process and and have input into it. And, um, you know, at the top of the uh, podcast, you, you raised the issue of trust. And my, my response to that is you can't trust anyone. And dear friends of ours told us of their wonderful experiences and we went and we trust them. They're friends of ours. We've known them for a very long time and we had a terribly different experience. And so it, it, it's very difficult, especially when you're dealing with the most precious and important uh, elements of your life, your children, to trust. I, I, Deb and I don't trust each other when we say something, and, you know, we kind of second guess each other about it. And, and so I think some of it is, uh, you, you need to go and, and be open and receptive, but, uh, skeptical and objective and questioning and your, your professional, uh, uh, supporters need to earn yes. that trust. Well, it's never blind trust. I mean, that's not something I want to advocate. Yeah. I mean, coming from, you know, writing the book Entitlement Free Child, what I know is blind trust was pre-entitlement. Mm-hmm. Then the entitlement world became, uh, well, I can't trust anybody. So now we have this crisis of no inf- no source, every source of information is equally untrustworthy. Mm-hmm. That can't quite be right um, because we live in a world of information that helps us to be better informed if we can manage it. So that, and, and so the question is not trusting anyone. Do you trust the Rudnicks more than Google or is it the collaboration model? So, so it, it is a, a healthy skepticism and it is a uh, desire to uh, learn the facts. And then it comes down to, uh, you know, look, it, it, there's a certain threshold of qualifications that, that kind of go without saying. Uh, and then in my opinion, it comes down to how does it feel? Yeah. How does it, does this feel right? Does this feel good? And uh, it felt great. And uh, Chad is very modest in... Um, in talking about himself, but one of the things he doesn't bring out is he's really a nice guy and he's just likable <laughs> and he's charming and he's got a great sense of humor and he's easy to be around. And that sets a certain ease in the examination room. Uh, and I think that kind of translates to the parents, to the kids. And and so, you know, Ashley's created this fun um, you know, rock star room, examination room, or movie star room. And, and his personality uh, extrapolates off of that and creates this kind of safe zone, comfortable zone. And I think that goes a long way to establishing the trust. Like, it feels right. It feels good. You know, we, we went to other pediatricians, and it, 
it felt stilted. It felt awkward. It, it felt arm's length. And, yeah, that's uh, a good. That's a sorry to interrupt. That's a but that's a that's exactly how we felt. I mean, we were just one among many. But let's go do a little deeper. Mm-hmm. So that's how you felt in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And again, because because that's one of the distrustful things of our world is yeah. Here's the appearance of it. Now let's look at the nuts and bolts of this relationship from two months to two years. Mm-hmm. So you've obviously had questions. You've had mm-hmm. emergencies of some sort or mm-hmm. another. How has that? How has that relationship developed? Um, uh, look, I think there's going to be two answers. I think good. there's going to be the parents' answers, and then I think there's going to be the doctors' answers. The parents' answers are going to be, it's gotten better, it's great, we reach out, he's responsive. The doctor's answer is going to be, holy smokes, are these people a pain in the neck. <laughs> but you're not afraid of asking for what you want out of this, out of this relationship or getting your questions answers or your children's needs met. No, we're not, not at all, not in this relationship. Not. Which I think that, I mean, it's to me, mm-hmm. it's not that somebody is bothered or annoyed or mm-hmm. maybe over the years you've yeah. crossed some boundaries, which I think happens yeah. in real, rela- I yeah. have no idea, but in real yeah. relationships, it gets messy. Yeah. And you don't know, should I call? He says I should call 24-7, yeah. you know, but I know he's at a bar mitzvah, yes. you know, like, so what... But the thing is, but that you say, but you know what? We have, he's given us permission mm-hmm. to, to, to ask of him what we need to ask of him, mm-hmm. which I think goes very, very far. Yeah. Um, I will just say this. I'll back up just a little bit, and then I'll answer that. So in our first experience with a pediatrician who was not Dr. Rednick, we had an emergency day, and we needed assistance, and our pediatrician was not there and his partner was and I already knew I didn't like them and I literally said to Robert you take her I can't go because it won't be a good situation if I go and that is a horrible relationship for a mother to have with a pediatrician of an infant I mean or any child but really I think that was the day where we were like okay this is done we're moving on we're you know we're going to go in another direction. So from that, um, you know, we have an open relationship with um, Dr. Rudnick and the whole team there. He has set some, I think, useful, I'll, I'll, I'm doing air quotes, ground rules and how to most effectively communicate with him. If you have an emergency, call me on my cell phone. If you don't have an emergency but have questions send me a text or an email. You know, there's like logical. And that's, you have to, I mean, you can't just be the on demand. Yeah. Anytime acts, on demand for anything, anytime. Here's why we do that. Go for it. To be honest, I established those boundaries because when we first started, it was all, it was about the safety of Chad and driving with with our daughter in the backseat. And when you get a text, anytime you get a text, you just can't help it that your eyes, even for a split second, just go to your phone because you hear the sound. Or, you know, Aria would be doing, you know, we'd be watching her ballet class or something, and all of a sudden it'd go, and it was, you know, a question that maybe didn't need to be answered at that exact moment. So I said, how can we streamline the communication a little bit better? And our patients... VIPs have been amazing with those boundaries and they know that Chad is a real person, I'm a real person, we're a real family, yeah. we've bumped into Robert when we're eating sushi and we're with our daughter, you know, we we do stuff, we don't live in front of 
even though we say you can contact us 24-7, it's not like he's sitting by his phone waiting. He does to... sleep. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I try, I try. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, yeah, we started doing that so that, most importantly, for safety. And so when he's driving, because he is driving off and going to house calls or the hospital or whatever, that the text isn't always going off. And if it's something that can be answered via email and he's a captive audience sitting in front of his computer, he can write a long response and take the time to think it out instead of, you know, sort of doing it halfway while right. something else is going on. Or being distracted while, while, he's yeah. cared, while he's caring yeah. for a patient. But so, I will okay. say it's also very helpful for a couple of reasons. Number one, well, it's logical. It's just logical <laughs> and respectful. And, and second of all, if I call him, and I have at 3 a.m., he knows it's an emergency. Exactly. I am yes. not messing around. Right. Like, I text or email appropriately, but when I call him, he picks it up every time, well, even at 3 a.m. Because he knows I need know him. It's the reason we have rules, boundaries, procedures, and routines and, and protocol is because it keeps everybody feeling secure that I can ask yeah. and that I've and that, that the relationship Absolutely. will continue to yeah. work. So right. So um, when you when it's not urgent, you respectfully don't make it an urgent situation. And when it is, he knows it's urgent. I need to take the okay. call. I have a next question, but let me just see yeah. if Dr. Rudnick wants to say anything about the pediatrician's perspective <laughs> on the longevity <laughs> of that relationship. <laughs> I, not this I, one in particular, I, necessarily. I, I love the room. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the girls are we adorable. We love when they come and, in. And I, I love when they, when they come in. And, and I appreciate what they get, what they give back to me because it's not necessarily that they challenge me, but they when you ask for you know for guidance and for reasons why it's what I love to do. Part of my job as a pediatrician is to teach. It's it's why I went into medicine and it's why I teach whether it's medical students or residents or parents or even older kids who are coming in. Why I teach them about you know healthy behaviors and lifestyle changes. So I want to be able to educate, and my goal and my job as a pediatrician is to give all of the information that I have so, one, you don't end up down that WebMD or Google rabbit hole where a stubbed toe turns into Ebola. We're trying to avoid that. <laughs> right, right, and right. so if I can if I can do that for them, and, and they know, there are while there are boundaries, so if it's 3 o'clock in the morning and, and Robert calls and says, hey, how about those cubbies winning the World Series? <laughs> you know, uh, well, chit-chat. I mean, I was, up, I was awake also. But the next day, maybe, you know, I'll say, hey, maybe not at 3 a.m. You know, I'm trying to say. But all of our families are, are, are wonderful with that because they know that on the other end, is me. And if, if the phone rings, Ashley's going to wake up too. And, you know, so that, that can happen. So it truly is an emergency. And of course, I always tell a parent, there's no, I don't try to rank, you know, medical conditions. This is worse. This is not worse. If a parent is concerned about something, I'm concerned. And I'm going to be able to address that. And a lot of times it's just kind of talking them off the ledge because they're, they're very nervous about something because they're a first time parent. Or even if you're a six-time parent, it, it really doesn't matter. If it's something that you're concerned about with your child, you should feel comfortable being able to reach out to someone that you trust and not try to crowdsource information on, right. on social media for an answer because I see that happen. And I see a lot of, of, a lot of disinformation out there and a lot of just things that are flat out wrong and potentially dangerous. So I try to have an open relationship with everyone where they can reach out. And again, as we go through it, they they pick it up and they learn all these different tips and tricks and techniques. And that way, it really does foster a better level of care for their kids. And what I know, as someone who's with parents every day, is that I know Robert's not quite comfortable with the trust word, but that's okay. <laughs> we, I get, but, but what I feel is when, when, when you do that 
educating of the parents. When you keep that communication going, now you're giving them their own power. You're giving them a trust in themselves that that in a few years, they're going to be able to evaluate situations better and feel more confident about, okay, this, you know, this needs stitches, this doesn't need stitches. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're, it's going, that's such a gift to the world that goes beyond the medical. But here's my next question mm-hmm. for you. And that is, you know, with the tr- whether it's trust or whether it's comfort, communication, collaboration, how do you, how do you weigh or mix the medical the child development piece because or the or the parents journey in this because it's all the above and i'm not sure what's the biggest need um, that you see for families you, that you see for your own for yourselves um, and who do you go no that's <laughs> and then and then your greatest need that you need from a pediatrician in terms of Robert's I, I i will say that's the one component of book of VIP pediatrics that I didn't anticipate, didn't see coming, didn't realize that's actually been terrific. In my mind, pediatricians just treat sick kids and give them shots. Here, that's, yes, one of the things they do, but another significant focus is on the development, both of the parents and the kids. And there's always a bit of a lesson uh, about what to expect, what's coming next, what's, you know, the target is, as well as homework assignments, which are not great, but homework assignments. <laughs> really? Yeah, homework. Yes. Yeah. I mean, every, you know, I came up every, under Brazelton, so, you know, is, I love touch points. And yeah, there's homework ch- assignments. Whole, yeah. Tell me a homework assignment that you've had to do. Well, let's let's, let's be a little more accurate. I'll tell you a homework <laughs> assignment Deb's had to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, um, Dr. Rudnick is really big on tracking development at the at key milestone points, and we do a huge um, checklist of different activities and and developmental milestones that the child achieves or is starting to achieve or needs a little help getting to achieving. And and there I have to do it twice because <laughs> I have <laughs> twins. And I remember I, I think I did the first one like right on time. You know, I turned it it in and he you know reviewed it and graded it he actually grades it and then um the next one I think I was a little lax like they seemed to be doing fine and I was lax and he was like next time like maybe you'll get it back to me like a little sooner like he was not he did not mess around well because it's true when when things are going well yeah you lay off and then you realize oh no but maybe I do have a question and we might need that strategic information down the road yeah I mean when we got to the next lesson he was like but this time I'd like it back in a week not in a month and I was like oh okay like Sorry, that's my. Bad. It was just a joke. Yeah, it was. It was, but it was, it, and of course, it was a joke. But it's also truthful. Like, should, I, you know, and you parents need somebody that is there to say. I mean, what's the number one question? Is this normal? Is this normal? Is this normal? And if you can say, look, I can give you a framework for normal. Go ahead. And so I think a lot of parents they understand, or some, may, maybe or may not understand that. When they come to the office, well, I can get a lot of information. It can garner a lot from, and we spend a long time. I mean, as, 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 as Deb and Robert know, well checks, especially with their twins, will sometimes run an hour and a half, Easily. hour and 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how long we spend because there's a lot of information that I have to get. 
But sometimes, especially as far as the developmental milestones and skills, they don't want to do everything in, in, in the office. And I always joke that no baby That's or right. toddler wants to do their tricks when they come to That's the right. office. Mm-hmm. If they're rolling over, there's no way they'll do it in the office. If they're talking, they're not going to say a word to me. So that's where those homework assignments come in. And letting the parents do it at home and going through it as opposed to me trying to rattle off the, the questions and answers very quickly, that doesn't give us the, the, whole, the whole picture. So I like to see what's going on in the home, and, that, and that's a big help. And one of the big things that I, that I try to instill on every parent is that we don't put children in a box. Every child is supposed to be different. They all have a different personality, even with twins, but whether it's a sibling, it's a brother, it's a sister, every child can be different. And so while we're tracking development and making sure we're hitting major milestones, some kids are a little more advanced, some can be a little farther behind, but neither one of them means that it's better or worse. That's right. Even though you're beating something sooner, it doesn't mean they're always going to be that way. And just because you're a little behind doesn't mean that's going to happen all the time. So that's something that I try to I try to reiterate over and over again. And that each child is going to grow up to be something different. We're not all intended to be the same person. Otherwise... Everybody exhale. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is, this, and, and it's important to know that, you know, some kids are more focused on, on athletics. Others are more into science. Some want to do engineering. You know, there's, we're all different, and that, that's what makes us great. And that's what makes a family great, too. And so when we, get to, when we get to that part and parents understand that their child is allowed to kind of pick their own path, and it's our job, I think, as parents, and this is what Ashley and I try to do with our own daughter, is to kind of fan that flame of what she's interested in. And if it changes, then we change that. And we don't try to push her into anything. Am I right with that? And this is so important because that box out there is very real Mm -hmm. out there in the world. It's going to become more intense even when you get to to elementary school age. Um, It it just gets more and more intense. And somehow, whether it's the expediency of the world or, or just, you know, trying to rush through everything, there's a lot of people that are asking kids to fit in boxes and to have that voice in your ear. Um, and, and I also want to say, while we don't give blind trust, the idea of having it come from someone who has some authority, knowledge, and experience in this really, really matters. So I thank you because um, that's really essential for, that I want everybody to know out there. And, and, and I believe, you know, I mean, again, this is a concierge service, so it's not available everywhere. It's not affordable to everyone. But there is no doubt in my mind that the world is changing significantly enough that medicine is going in this direction for all of us, whether it's for the elderly or it's for our littlest people out there. So I'm pretty confident that putting out putting this out there in the universe is saying, look, everybody can move in this direction somehow, some way. You might have to beat a system and you might have to tweak a system, but I do think it is the vision for medicine in our I, future. I, I agree. And I think even even beyond you know, even beyond medicine, if it can't be with a doctor, it's having like you mentioned it before, it's having a village. It's this is not about just, you know, the, the whole saying, it takes a village. And actually, Ash and I had just researched where that came up from because everyone is supposed to give their two cents. It's and, a, like and a put real it African It's a problem. real African It really takes a village. It didn't start as a political right. statement. And right. So, it, yeah. so with that, whether it's with the pediatrician or it's with their preschool, it's with their teachers, with someone that they're getting more insight from because, again, online, you don't know who wrote joeschmo.blogspot.com. Mm-hmm. So, That's right. And even though it sounds great and the, they try to make the science all, all work together. Or they where, make it very clickable where it's, it's great to share or whatever. That's right. That's right. Sometimes 
So you understand the business part of that. <laughs> yes. The information it's is wrong. So having, having a number of people as a part of your village, and again, whether that's a two-parent household where you have to lean on each other because parenting a child is a team sport. And even if it's a single parent, it's With using grandparents, grandparents or, or teachers yeah. or friends. You have to have that group that you are able to trust and you're able mm-hmm. to, to play off of and to ask questions and not be judged on it. And that's the... That's the relationship you should have with your pediatrician. And I, ho- and I know Deb and Robert never feel judged by asking me questions. It doesn't, and they always say, sometimes parents will say, this is a stupid question. There's no such thing as a stupid question. I you say just, that to him. Me, I, I ask questions. I already did something today. I have a really dumb question. Is this, is this okay that you did this? <laughs> you have to ask. I do it all the time. better to ask than to live in that air right. of, of uncertainty because then that just compounds to feeling powerless as parents. And that's the last thing we need. So one more question before I go to wrap up, and that is, you know, there's so many topics that come under the pediatrician heading. You know, we're thinking vaccines, we're thinking diet, we're thinking, you know, we're, you know, first, how do you introduce solids? I mean, there's the developmental stuff, sleep, there's so much. And then the big medical stuff. So what... What would you put out as just a way to stay sane? And then I'm going to ask you guys how you've stayed sane mm-hmm. through through your journey making this very personal. So what are the big issues that you see out there? It's, it's part of the reason why I practice this style of medicine, where each individual visit, whether it's a two-month, a four-month, a six-month, I mean, I don't know if parents know, you see your pediatrician nine times in the first year. But that's not nearly enough to get all the information that you need. It's part of the reason why we give homework. So in between, as those questions come up, it shouldn't always have to wait until the visit because sometimes you need that answer. And that allows the visit to take on a different, you know, different mindset because you've had some of those answers already done. So it's kind of, it's putting it together and I would kind of just put out there for parents to have that relationship or find someone that they're able to do that. So even on the in-between visits, you're able to hit all of those all those milestones. And it's something that mm. I never like to see a child who fell through the cracks. And when I was when I was in Miami, you know, there were times that just it was it was busy and kids would come from other practices and it just things were missed because it's 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 busy. Parents are busy. Sometimes you can't get in for an appointment. But you know what? A parent can send an email. And sometimes they get emails, I see the timestamp, it's four, four or five o'clock that's in the morning. That's when they're worried. That's yeah. when they're worried and that's when they think about it. So send it out there to me. And then I can write them a nice long response and I can send in links and products and guidance. And that way they maybe weren't able to come to an appointment. And that way they have that answer and it doesn't have to linger and fester and we can take care of something before it gets worse. That's the whole mindset of why we well do it. And checks truly talking about wellness right. instead of turning it into a sick visit for all the mm-hmm. things that you didn't get to ask mm-hmm. prior to the visit. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you know, one of the things that I now do with um, Dr. Rudnick is I sent him an email before our well visit, like a big one, like <laughs> bullet pointed, because the truth is... How many pages? It, uh, well, I don't know if you printed it out. I've never printed it out. It's long. And I, so. yeah. I, I, I have. I printed you, it you out. Really <laughs> I, I, I love that she does it. I, I, and and the reason I do this. it, and I would think it just makes sense, is the first few visits... I would leave and be like, oh, I meant to ask him this, and oh, I meant to ask him that. Or we would go home and something would happen and be like, oh, my God. And it's just one more thing I have to email him or send him. And so you know that with adults, we everybody needs a medical advocate. You yeah. are the medical advocates for your children. Yeah. You know? yeah. And so it helps me to gather my thoughts because I'm sure, you know, there's always rant. It's And I like 
title it so there's like all different headings, headings. Sure. <laughs> and then he gets it and I said okay you don't need to respond to this email we're, we'll see you in a week for our well visit but let's discuss these things when we're there and he prints them out and he always has them there at our well visit and we do our well visit and he answers every single thing that. and it works for us and I mean, everybody should be afforded what a wonderful luxury to have the time to spend with a pediatrician to answer all of these maybe mundane, maybe not mundane questions. And what I want people to know is, and if you don't have Dr. Rudnick, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, we you know, we need thousands of you around the world. <laughs> yeah. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> but what happens with this conversation, my biggest message to put out there today is the trust is possible. The 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 security in the the, in having reliable information and in having someone that will honor you as parents and honor your children really, really, really matters. And that might, you know, and, and I think old school, I mean, based on your dream, you know, well, I mean, you think of people like Paul Farmer that's, you know, that, that's walking, says if, if, who's treating the Harvard guys in third world countries saying, if you're not walking 20 miles to see your patient, you don't know their lives. You, I mean, there is something that's still very hands-on about medicine everywhere. And so I think everybody's going to get a little bit more of that, mm-hmm. I hope. I hope. Um, but in a wrap-up, a wrap-up is always the same. And it is, how have you got this? For right here, for right now. Your relationship with your pediatrician, your relationship with medical information, your relationship with your VIPs. How have you got this? Not just for, for this week, for today, for this minute. How, how have we got this? Um, um, tell me exactly. What do you mean? Tell me what you mean by how have I how got this? How do you feel secure? How, how do I, I feel make, secure? You've made okay. this journey. Yes. And you're happy with this journey. Okay. I mean, you came in yeah. eager. Yeah. To say, we're working this. We got this. Yeah. We've got, we right. definitely got this. Yeah. Um, I mean, look. You've we, said so many We're in things. an ideal situation. I can't. I would not lie about that. We, you know, maybe it took us a couple tries, you know, but um, maybe it's just all, you know, the point we're at in our lives. We had our kids a little bit later. Um, it's the good rapport we have with our pediatrician. And so it's ideal. And, and I, there are, you know... We're very lucky. Our kids are healthy. And, you know, in terms of challenges, they're probably minimal compared to what other people have in terms of challenges. But when we do have them and we do have them, I know that Dr. Rudnick and you are my two, you know. But here's the other thing. I mean, I know something for you. And that is if you got moved to the other side of the country in six months, you would never settle for less now. You know, that you you have an experience about what really matters to you and a confidence in that and a confidence in yourselves. I think that that, and she would stay on as a virtual member (laughs) (laughs) because we we have good families who have to move away and don't leave us. And we can do that because we use the top technologies that are that are out there. It's old fashioned service, but there's technologies out there. Why can't we connect if they're not if they're li- if they're living in California, but if you're vacationing in New York, Love or it. we have families who are traveling through Europe, or they're in Orlando or Disney, you should still be able to reach out. And beyond a phone call or a text, we can reach them with a digital stethoscope or a digital otoscope <laughs> that lets me look at their ears. So it's we're able to do shocking that. Also, what the it's, technology it's, is out and, there and now, and it's only oh. getting better, and it's going to keep changing, and we're going to keep adopting it as long as it makes our parents' lives easier and their kids healthier. I love it. 
Mm-hmm. Take it away, Robert. Yeah, look, I said this earlier. It feels good. It, it just feels good. And you just brought up something terrifying. God forbid we need to adjust it. And <laughs> how to do it. Yeah. Like, now I'm going to be worried. Like, But uh, it, it just feels good. And it feels right. And there's a, a, a incredible comfort and confidence and calm that it instills. And, you know, I, I wish everybody would have it because... It's taken that aspect of child rearing off the table for us. It's like, all right, we have a great doctor. We know the kids are fine. If we have a problem, we call them. It, it, it's great. Yeah. And it, it, now we can kind of pivot and focus on, oh, God, how do we get them to eat? Or, you know, whatever the <laughs> yeah, yeah. emergency du jour is. And um, so, so we are just incredibly fortunate with our children and with our support uh, uh, team. Um, and, and so, again, for, for me... The, the trust has just been earned through this. It feels right. The advice we get is sound. It's proven to be accurate. It, um, it's spot on. It's timely. It's reassuring. And it solves the issues uh, at the moment. And, and so um, trust is uh, 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 warranted. And it's out there. And you can find it. You, you have to have a little bit of skeptical faith. But you can get there. And the wisdom is also, once you have the village, some of that burden's off your shoulders. For parents to try to carry all of that burden as individuals or even within one household, I think is way too much to ask Mm. anybody to stay sane with. Ashley, how have you got this? Uh, I love what Robert said about not being able to trust anyone. And I think that when you have kids, that's the first thing I learned when I had a daughter. I learned it in the hospital when someone was like, oh, you should do this or you should be induced or you should, and you learn right away, wait a minute, I don't trust the people that I trust for everything. Mm -hmm. So I think just, um... The, with the the model that that we've created and seeing the impact that it's making on families just it makes my heart so happy to hear that you know that we we have this vision and that we get to see it come to life and bring it to the community that both of us actually grew up at Chad grew up in the synagogue he was bar mitzvah here and we were married by Rabbi Steinhardt um so just to to hear that um that it's working and that um that we get to see it, it in is. our community is amazing. And let me wish for it right here. I hope the girls' children have Dr. Rudnick as their pediatrician. <laughs> <laughs> and yes. our daughter, who comes to work with us all the time, is now saying, I want to be a doctor when I grow up. And we're like, great, how many years does she have to go <laughs> before we can like, take a practice. trip to Hawaii <laughs> and she can just take call and it'll be amazing. So <laughs> maybe, maybe... Uh, maybe Dr. Rudnick Jr. There we yes. go. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Rudnick, any final words? So I, I think, you know, I, I think it's been wonderful. And while, you know, people who are listening, a lot of them are, are in our community here in South Florida. You know, we get to, you know, we're fortunate to care for babies, you know, from, you know, from Weston to Wellington, you know, and everywhere in between. But for those who may be listening in other states or around the country, around the world, you know, Finding your village and understanding that pediatrics isn't just newborns. It's not just caring for the baby until they're in elementary school. With every new milestone, with every new grade, with every new school comes a new set of challenges as a parent. And we have to understand that, that just because the child is older and is off on their own, makes their own breakfast and goes off to school, it doesn't mean we stop caring as parents about what they're doing. And while 
there's a balance between not helicoptering over them, but understanding what they're doing and being savvy with technology and different things that are happening. Parents have to know that they have someone to reach out to. So whether it's the pediatrician, whether it's a guidance counselor at school, someone who's in their religious background, their social circles, they have to have that no matter what developmental stage their child is in. And even when they're 18, they go off to college. The teenagers we, aren't all that teen- easy. They're not. And we, I'm fortunate to care for a lot of teenagers also because they, can, they feel comfortable reaching out directly to me to ask questions that sometimes they're embarrassed to talk with their families about or their parents about. And that's the type of relationship I want to have. While babies like coming here, you know, a lot of times they cry when I give them shots. But with teenagers, they feel that comfort level. And something that for the parents of those teenagers, they tell me all the time how wonderful it is to know that if their child has a question that they can't reach out to them about or it's late or something else, they have someone to give them the right advice so they don't end up on Google or mm-hmm. WebMD. Perfect. That's love what it, it is. I love it. Ashley, where can everybody find you? We are, you can go on our website, which is bocavipediatrics.com. It's one P, so vipediatrics.com. Or they can call us at 561-923-9635. Please don't call it 3 a.m. Or Facebook. Facebook. Well, that's the office office. number. You can call that a 3 a.m. No problem. (laughs) Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. What else are we we a part of on that? I think that's about it. Thank you. This was an amazing conversation. Thank you guys so much. Thank Thank you. Thank you. So that's the mess for today. We appreciate you listening to See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. Seeing little people learn and grow. Listening to parents taking a crazy, uncertain journey. Loving the fun and loving the mistakes. You write the rules. You write your story. We just want to be part of the conversation. But in the end, we know you got this. We'll catch you next week. Take care. Oh, 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 wait. We're growing too. So if you had a great time today, please spread the word to a friend. You can also join our conversation on Facebook. That's with Karen Deerwester. And there's great parenting resources for you at www.familytimeinc.com. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to everyone at B'nai Torah Congregation for this lovely space. Thank you, David Dweck, for that sweet voiceover. And thanks to the front and the follow for the song listen. We are listening. Thanks, everyone. See you next week.